Thank you to everyone who uh, participated in our lunch last week. We had a good time. And I have some goodies to hand out. So, first one up is Lydia. Lydia is the champion of the children's division. You don't have to explain anything to anybody between you and me. She's the champ. So come on up here. Uh, you get to choose either between cookies that you have to share probably or a lot of popcorn that you could probably, I don't know, squirrel away for a rainy day. Popcorn. She's going for the popcorn. All right. And then uh, where's... Helena, come on up. You're the champion of the teenage... Oh, wait, come back. Lydia, I forgot to give you a candy bar. So you share that, but you don't have to share this. That's how that rolls. Chocolate. So that means Helena gets the cookies. Oh, and we're upsizing. And a Chick-fil-A card. Good, good job, girl. Um, <coughs> the indomitable Miranda Sanders. Miranda, there are no cookies on this podium for me so I'm calling you up to you got to come forward that's the price you pay for not bribing me to not say your name uh, but I have goodies for you today uh, you scored the most points of any woman out there because you shamed a few of us men and I'm glad for it yes and our grand champion four-time repeating unstoppable I think he practices when we're not looking He's got a great name, but man, his attitude needs a little help because <laughs> Craig the Hammer Page. <laughs> and, and he also gets on top of the Starbucks card, the Chick-fil-A card, an Amazon card so you can go buy your own bags or something. Okay. So he can beat us even worse <laughs> next time. I got you oh, is that for me, that little tiny cornhole practice thing? He's got to be a little desktop cornhole I can flick quarters while I... That's, that's going to throw me off more than anything. Uh, all right. King's Kids, if you're in second grade on down, you are dismissed to the junior service. We are ready for you. Hey, Chris, good to see you. All right. Bye, Maddox. Bye, Alice. All right. What did she say? Miss Terry, I promise I'll listen to you. Miss Terry's going to make sure we have enough help for those rascals. I've got three in there. She may, she may be the backup to the fourth. Um, let me encourage you. This, this Christmas, we just saying, great are you, Lord. How great is he? Is he great enough for you to go with one less present this year and buy a kid something else? There are some, some, a lot of the kids on that tree want a bicycle this Christmas. Let me just say, I've been there, done that. Um, if that's out of your price range and you still want to contribute, feel free to find two or three people to go together uh, on a few presents. It doesn't just have to be you. Uh, if God has blessed you so much this, this past year, like three, four teens get together and find, find a toddler and, and go shopping together and have a good time. You do not need to bring all the presents back here. The back of the card has some drop-off locations, especially if you get a bike. Uh, by the way, if you need help because you don't have a truck or a, a minivan and you need help transporting a bike from said store to uh, the mall, the mall is the key drop-off location for the Angel Tree program, uh, let me know. Um, I can pull up with the Trailblazer. I can get one of our dudes who has a truck to uh, meet you at Walmart, pick that up. So we will find a way 
That is our, uh, our community service project for Christmas. We're also asking for monetary donations this Christmas, and all the money we get in goes right back out. None of it is to benefit our church in any way, shape, or form. In your bulletin, there should be a, a little Christmas offering envelope. You can write a separate check, or you can just designate it on your regular giving envelopes, and all the money we get will go to local missions and international missions. If we have above and beyond, we've got some families in our church that could use a little extra money getting through the holidays. So it's, it's not staying with me. It's not staying with us. We are trying to be very outward focused in November and December. And then you may be asking, why in the world are we having a holiday lunch on November the 19th? Let me tell you why. It's the chance for you to practice and experiment your favorite recipe on us before you roll it out for your family. See LaDonna, she's, she's strategically asking people for their best things, and also to make sure we don't get like 20 green bean casseroles, you know how that is, right? Um, so she's coordinating it, run it through her, uh, and prepare to eat. We like to do that early, that way we don't have a, a bazillion things on the church calendar that conflict with your family, calendars with your school calendar schools are doing things kids are in programs it is we are ramping up to the they say it's the happiest time of year i'm saying it is the busiest time of year take a deep breath for just a second and let me remind you you don't owe anyone anything but to love them in the name of jesus It's okay to say no. It's important to say no. And you don't need everything on your Christmas list. Right? As we ramp up for the holiday, you need to slow down. <laughs> Except for you, right? I need everything on my list. Slow down. You, you have a lot of responsibilities. I understand that. Uh, part of today's sermon on the topic of humility is knowing you can't do it all. You can't serve everybody. You can't meet every need on planet Earth. Humility says, I'm limited. But with humility, we target where we want God to show up. Who's my scripture reader today? Who did I recruit? Oh, yeah, head on up here. Party of two, right this way. Open your Bible with us to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, someone else, and not your own lips. Stone is heavy and sand a burden, but provocation by a fool is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. He who, he who is full loathes honey, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. 
Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if he does it for a wayward woman. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. A quarrelsome wife is like dripping off of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. An iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit, and whoever protects the master will be honored. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. Though you grind a fool in a motor, grinding them like grain with a pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herd, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears, and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the limbs will provide you with clothing, and the goats will, with the price of a field, you will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and nourish your female servants. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We're grateful for the gift of life. We're thankful for the upcoming holidays. We're thankful for our veterans. We're thankful for the, the doctors and the nurses that deal with us and our aches and pains from week to week and month to month and year to year. We're grateful for our families, for the ups and for the downs. We're thankful for every good thing, Lord, that comes from your hands. Teach us to be thankful even for the bad things that come from your hand. As we acknowledge by faith that you can use all things together for good because we love you, because we trust you, because we know you have a greater purpose and plan than any eye could ever imagine. Help us, God, to trust in your will and in your ways above our own. And though we do so many things in the course of the calendar and in the ways of the world, we ask you to guard our hearts, guard our hearts through man-made traditions, that we would find ways to make Jesus shine brightly every day, not just one day a year, that you would be our Lord and King every week, not just during a holy week. 
that you would reign supreme over us. Every moment of every day. Make us into that kind of people today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So grab your bulletin and follow along. That's mostly so I know where I'm going. Proverbs 27, the title is Humility. Um, the subtitle is Considering Others Above Oneself. That is one of the definitions of humility. That's on the top line there. Humility, considering others. I, I had so many good definitions for humility that we're also gonna, we're gonna plow into the second blank in just a second. So the first one is humility. What is it? If I had to just tell a child what humility is, I'd say that. It's when you think of others before yourself, above yourself, in place of yourself. Humility doesn't make yourself first. The easiest illustration of that is you're coming in hot from the playground because you dominated everybody in dodgeball or basketball or gaga ball or whatever you dominate everybody in. You come in hot from the playground. You earned first place at the water fountain because you won. Humility says, ladies first. Losers first. Everyone else first. Humility places others at the water fountain above yourself. But, but I won't get the coldest water. It's been all recess. It's been chilling. I've been hearing that thing run. That's the best drink, that first drink. Everybody slobbering spits, not all over the handle. Humility places others first, no matter what the consequences. We leave the consequences to God. Does he not know that? God knows that. Humility. Here, here's some more definitions for humility. Modesty. Meekness. And not making much of oneself. Because maybe there aren't other people there to put first. It's just you. Sometimes humility is just not getting the big head. When other people aren't involved, you will be tempted to make much of self, to promote self, to praise self. And the most powerful, tear-jerking example of humility is Jesus Christ. And the best, my favorite passage on Jesus's Self-imposed humility is from Philippians 2. And the Bible says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So it's possible. You can have the mind of Christ. That's what he's telling us. We can have the mind of Christ. Tell us about the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, 6. Jesus Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Our nature is to take. God's nature is to give. 
Who are you this morning? And let, let's not leave the, the definition to our own wicked, deceitful, proud hearts. Ask your enemies who you are. How do they see you? How do your enemies see you? Hard, callous, abrupt, cut off, cold, <clears throat> angry? Or do even your enemies understand? They can have some really deep philosophical differences with you, but do they understand that Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. That's humility. Jesus is our greatest definition of humility. His life, His death, even His resurrection. But the Bible, thankfully, doesn't wait till we get to Jesus to describe to us what true humility is. And as I read through Proverbs 27, the last couple of weeks, humility jumped off the page in many verses, as you can see in your outline. Verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you have no clue what's going to happen tomorrow. Write it down. Don't boast over what you cannot control. Don't boast over what you can't control. James 4, come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas, you don't know what will happen. For what is your life even? Your life is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance and such boasting is evil. Boasting that you know more than you know is evil. Which, by the way, uh, tells you the opposite of humility. The opposite of humility is not necessarily pride. The opposite of humility, straight up evil and wickedness. Because it's you putting yourself, not just above others, but in the place of God. That, that is not a pride thing. That's a wickedness thing. Anytime we elevate ourselves, we are following in the footsteps of the Satan, the devil. We want to be in the place of God. Humility is not just putting yourself lower. It's realizing you're already there. Just act like it. You are a created being, limited in time and space, and ability and knowledge. You are a limited being. Humility is really, essentially, you're acknowledging the truth about yourself. Instead of having these grandiose visions that you're in control and that you know what's going to happen. <laughs> no, you don't. Proverbs is here to uh, deflate that big head. Do not boast about tomorrow. Don't boast over what you cannot control. Then verse 2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Let a stranger praise you and not your own lips. So, next blank, self-praise is 
ugly. <laughs> Stop grasping for attention. Stop grasping for honor. Praise is best when it comes from others. Praise is best when it comes from others. I, you see it. You see. Uh, you see it in sports, but I really like it in military terms when, when, when you see someone receiving a, a merit of distinction or a, a medal of merit, a medal of honor. Uh, you know, uh, they don't let them pin that on themselves. <laughs> Have you not noticed that? They usually try to find the highest ranking person in the region to administer the honor and the praise because that's that means something. It means something to have somebody else praise you. Self-praise is just ugly. And I cannot think of a period in history when more people have been addicted to self-praise than the internet age. When we self-promote every little thing under the sun. It is a huge temptation to promote your own life. Can it be done in a way that glorifies God and gives praise to God? Yes. Is it? Rarely. It's a promotion of self, and the world loves that. They, it, it's, a, it's a sport. You may be the most unathletic person in Enid, but when you get on Twitter... Man, you are trying to win the prize. <laughs> you are trying to, whoo, whoo, it, the, the filter, the lighting. I, I see, man, I see it every, every week, don't we, Marty, on the people taking pictures out here in the, by the pond. They come at sunset when the light is just right. It, oh, look at me. Look at my family. That, that, that's okay to an extent. Give God some glory, though. Do we not spend more time making much of ourselves, getting ourselves to look good, rather than getting Jesus to look good? To have the goodness of Jesus come out of our mouth as much as the praise of our children comes out of our mouth or the praises of our spouses? Who do you love? Just measure your words. Just measure your words. Look at verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Open rebuke gives us reality checks. So here's what I'm observing. Humility requires outside influences to stay humble. Humility requires outside influences to stay humble. Uh, hidden love is not encouraging. And, and at first, open rebuke is not encouraging either. Those, those, those are kind of both things we don't like, but one of those can have a long-term good effect. Uh, we need other people to check our hearts. And that's a reality check. We're not perfect, and we need reminding that we are not perfect. I, and I'm, you know, I, I was thinking I might get a brewing amen out of that, but I didn't. My kids are teaching King's kids, or they would have, at least they'd have thought it. I'm not perfect, and I need reminding. Yeah, and you need friends. 
you need the kind of friends who can quote scripture at you. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Do you have friends that will quote scripture at you? <laughs> not make up stuff, not point out all of your flaws, but genuinely, honestly tell you when you have stepped in it and you stanky right now. Pride cometh before the fall. So says the sluggard. <laughs> Be not double-tongued. When your friends start saying stuff, like, ooh, that, that, that's humiliating. But we need that sometimes. We need those kind of people in our lives. <laughs> friends that say, why did you say that? What were you thinking? That's a good one. What were you thinking? Or, or, or a little more nicely, explain to me what you meant by that. Explain to me what you meant by that. Friend, we need those kind of people in our lives because it leads us to humility and a reality check. Verse 12. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Huh. I had to think about that one for a bit. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. That, that makes sense. The simple go on and suffer for it. Okay. Humility acknowledges danger and avoids it. I need to develop this one a little bit. It took me a few tries. This didn't make the first cut when I went through Proverbs. This, this one didn't come off the page till about, you know, Tuesday afternoon. Humility acknowledges danger. Pride says, I got that. I don't need to worry about that. Humility says, that might be a problem. See ya. <laughs> Humility, it, if it acknowledges it has problems with things and it acknowledges it's not bulletproof. It acknowledges it can't solve all things. Humility sees danger and avoids it. That, that is a sign of wisdom to see something that's coming and not want to attack it. Uh, qualification here. When we see sin in the lives of people we know and love and it's dangerous to them, we have a responsibility to step up and warn them and confront them and be the rebuker sometimes. But also wisdom and a state of humility, when we see something coming down the pipe, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, contemporaries, Daniel did not get thrown in the fiery furnace. You remember that part of the story? Somehow, someway, that dude didn't show up for work that day. He saw the danger and didn't walk into it. He didn't even put himself in that situation. That, that is another level of living. Now, he didn't walk out there being like, listen, I'm the right-hand man to the king. I, no. King, you know, I've only ever served you. He didn't, he didn't throw up a fight. He wasn't throwing a fit. Even Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo didn't throw a fit. They just thought, Let's take it like men, like God's men. If he saves us, he saves us. If not, we'll be at his throne. 
Humility understands you can't control every situation. And when you see danger from far off, humility avoids it. Helps us see we're not invincible. Here's another aspect to that, though. Humility Humility does not boast against danger, but flees it. I had in mind a phrase, the devil can't touch me. Um, it's in a couple of contemporary songs that I hear on the radio right now. And, and I, I couldn't really put my finger on why that bothered me. The devil can't touch me. Um, have you not read the book of Job? I was really happy. I had to come get a battery during Sunday school, and I heard Dave's class going through the book of Job. Guess what he did in my class? The book of Job? The devil can't touch me. Have you not read the book of Job? Your life is in God's hands and he can do to you whatever he pleases. And we are supposed to accept good and bad from God's hand and trust him through it all no matter what. It is wicked. There is a very famous Pentecostal book out there, I Talk Back to the Devil. Well, you are a fool. You're supposed to use your breath to praise the Lord. Acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's the one who fights your fights. What is this? That is a lack of humility. Spiritual beings are way beyond your capability, your understanding, your power, and your realm. Even if you rebuke them in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? Um, yeah, there ain't anybody I have ever known that's on the level of Paul spiritually with their understanding, their insight, their words of wisdom, and the direct communication with God. He was an apostle chosen by Jesus Christ. His life is not an example of everything to do. And when Paul does give us an example of how to live life, you know what he says? In Philippians, on the heels of telling us who Jesus is, He can say, I can do all things through Christ. Read that passage again. You know what he's talking about? I can endure all pain, all suffering, all persecution, all loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. He's not boasting and overcoming and in power and throwing out demons. He's not boasting in in apostolic wonders. He, in his humility, lays his life down in front of Jesus and says, you got this. That's the spirit of humility. It's laying one's life down so Jesus can be lifted up. We don't boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. That is it. What he's done, what he's accomplished. Here we are in Proverbs. You see danger, you hide yourself. You don't just blindly, simply charge. Because you're charging alone. It's a dangerous thing. And it is man-centered theology that boasts, no evil can touch me. And that is the battle cry of a lot of prosperity gospel right now. If you're living right, if your faith is right, if you're acting right, then no evil can touch you. The Bible does not teach that. Every faith preacher, healer gets sick and dies. That should make you question everything they've ever taught. 
if God only blesses those who have enough faith, then they have a problem with their faith. And it's a, but why is it so popular? Pride, arrogance, and promotion of self. That's the American way. We want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We do not want to be a people who live in the fear of the Lord, rejoicing and trembling. That idea of trembling is humility at the feet of the king who not only has all power over you, but who loves you. We rejoice, but he's also all powerful. There's Job again. I, I just got into, under my skin this week. Studying Job, hearing Job. Thank you for teaching Job. Are you doing that again next week? Or you, Are you in a series or is that just a, that's just a one-off? The Lord. The Lord. Yes, I love it when a plan comes together, especially when it's not my plan. In uh, verse 13 is another verse that, this, is, this one almost didn't make the cut either. But I, I got to thinking about it. It says, take a man's garment. That would be like somebody's overcoat when he has put up security for a stranger. So somebody, so somebody is like buying something and didn't have enough money. They're, they're, they're buying something from you. They don't have enough to pay for it. And then somebody else says, here, you take my coat as a deposit. And, and if he doesn't pay, you keep my coat. Like, okay, that, that's kind of, awkward for us today today we would say an iou take an iou no that's not what it says because the garment would actually be tangible valuable take whatever payment you can get when somebody puts up security or makes a payment on behalf of it says a stranger somebody you don't know and hold it as a pledge for their, the rest of their payment or as the payment when they put up security for, it could be an adulteress or a foreign woman. The point here is it's somebody you're not normally associated with and you don't know if they're actually going to pay. This verse is telling you to take payment while you can because you don't always know people as well as you think. You don't always know people as well as you think. You are not a good judge of character. There are too many people on planet Earth. You are not as good a judge of character as you think. That's a statement that requires a lot of humility to agree with. Because as we grow and age, we get to learn dynamics. We've had some psychology classes, maybe, if we've been to school. Uh, we, we, we've... We've had kids, so we kind of see different personalities. We, we, we've, we've been through the teen years and survived. And, and so we see tendencies in teens, and we start thinking, oh, yeah, I've known a teen that did that before. Here's how they went. And I know a teen who did that before. Here's how they went. We start building up this false uh, knowledge base that we know people. Woo Proverbs right here is saying, listen, when you're making a transaction with somebody, take payment as soon as possible because you don't know everything. Get what you can while you can. It's not saying get while you can, you know. It, it, that's not the point. This is, this is a legitimate business transaction. It's saying don't, don't just take a piece of paper. You better take something that's worth something because that may be all you walk away with, that garment. That, that, 
So, you know, again, yard sale theology. <laughs> if somebody says they want something, will you hold that for me? No. Well, here, here's my wedding ring. Will you hold that for me until I get back? Yes. Because if you don't come back, that's mine. That makes sense? You're, you're, they're giving you a deposit that's worth more than the object because they're saying they're going to come back and give you the price. Uh, but that's how it works. Now, be careful on the watch thing. I've had people, hey, will you, will you, I'll give you my watch. Like, that ain't real. That ain't ticking. Nice try. People are going to try to pull a fast one on you. So in humility, you, you, just remember, you cannot be a good judge of all people and all personalities, especially when it's a stranger, somebody you don't know. Um, so that one made the cut, finally. It took, took me a while to get around to that. Like, what is it saying? And why do I go to yard sales so much? Like, what is going? Yeah, yeah, cheapskate. I mean, frugal. Verse 17. Holy cow, my whole outfit's from a thrift store today. Uh, verse 17. Even my socks. I, I think my belt is too. Oh, I should have worn my thrift store glasses. That would have been. I didn't. I did pay money for these. That's why they broke. Verse 17. Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. Humility leans on other believers who are not afraid to cross swords with us. God is out to sharpen you, not wear you out. Not wear you out. You think of a, a whetstone or some, or some kind of hard stone that you sharpen a knife on. The same surface that can sharpen things can wear things down and we blame it on the stone that's a hard person that's a difficult person i can't deal with them dude you're the problem not them this is you thinking they're the problem why has god put them into my life i just can't break through you're not always meant to break through you're the problem there are just hard people ready you ready for this deep spiritual lesson Whoop change the approach change the transaction change you and then iron sharpens iron then you can be improved you can learn even from the hardest people but man if you just go into it perpendicular to them you aren't going to learn anything and neither are they sometimes the best way to show hard people how to live is to not be the hard people and learn and grace them and show mercy. So God is not out to grind you down. He's out to teach you. Verse 20. Hell and Abaddon. What, what were the verses in your Bible, Ethan? Say verse 20 out loud. Death and destruction. Very good translation of those words. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Humility, in your humility, you need to admit that you are covetous, that you have lust, 
that you have temptations, that you have pride, and that you have sin. So humility looks away from sinful desires. Humility looks away from sinful desires. Because there's no end to what we want. Humility should force us to be satisfied with less. Write that down. Humility forces us to be satisfied with less. Sometimes it's less food. Sometimes it's less pleasure. Sometimes it's less clothes, less eating out, less spending on self, less pampering of self. Those white tags on that tree are not going to get up and go by themselves. And everybody in here of every age, except that tiny cute baby, everybody in here is going to have a certain amount of money that's going to go through their hands in the next two months. Even you little juniors on the front row, money's going to go through your hands. You have a choice of how you're going to spend it. Does every quarter you get go into the vending machine? Do you ever think of the money that goes through your hands as a teenager, your allowance? Well, that's mine. You all have the ability to give. Everybody has money that goes through their hands. All of us have the ability to give. Humility forces itself to spend less on self so we can spend more on other people which means everybody has the opportunity to be generous. Everybody. But be satisfied with less first. Verse 21. Yes. The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and a man is tested by his praise. Humility praises God in the middle of gain or loss. Humility praises God in the middle of gain or loss. A crucible gets really, really hot. Melts the silver, the impurities come to the top. You skim off the dirt. You pour out the silver into the mold. And then the furnace, the furnace is hot. It melts the gold. Again, the impurities rise to the top. You scrape off the impurities. You pour the gold into the mold, and it becomes pure. It makes something beautiful. What tests us? Well, verse 21 says, the test is going to be praise. You're going to receive some, and you're going to give some. When people praise you, do you deflect it back to God? When people tell you how good you are, how well you did something, what comes out of your mouth? Your heart is being tested by praise. I say, thank you. Worked my tail off for that. That's all the praise you're going to get for all eternity for that thing. Or maybe you say, thank God. I'm glad you saw that. He is good. God has richly blessed me with that. Praise the Lord. Hey, good job on that. Hey, thank you. Um, I needed that, you know. 
been praying that that would go right and that project would work out. And I thank God. Does, does God ever come out of... See how... Do you see how praise tests the heart? How you receive it, but also how you give it. Do you praise God for other people or do you just praise people? When you tell other people that they've done well, did Jesus ever come up? Man, I thank God that you took care of that. <laughs> Amen. You are an answer to bless, answer to prayer. You have been such a blessing to me. God has been good to bring you into my life, into our department, into this project. God is good. It's a test. All praise that's in our lives is a test of whether or not we are God-focused or self-focused. And that's a test. So be on high alert. And then verses 23 and 24. Generous. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever and a crown, does a crown endure to all generations? No. Know the condition of your finances. Know the conditions of your bank account. Know how much money you have. Keep track of it. Be disciplined because it won't be there forever. And it'll be there even less time if you are not paying attention to it. The longer you pay attention to your finances, the more you... You watch your finances and you manage what God has given you, the longer God will let you manage it. And then it ends with verse 25 the grass is gone, new growth appears, vegetation in the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing. And this is God's stuff. The goats will become the price of a field. You will have enough. You'll have enough to drink, you'll have enough to eat. You'll have enough for your household and even the maintenance of the people around you. That is a biblical view of generosity. You not only have enough for self, you have enough to help others, and you have enough to give. So you are generous whether you are rich or you are poor. You could have a very small flock. You could be barely scraping by. It does, it, it's, it's not a distinguishing uh, passage on somebody necessarily being rich. A lot of people would have a household maintenance girl, a, a, a little, you know, a nine-year-old girl from the neighbors come over and help, help with some chores, help watch the baby, help do some things. So this is, this is not speaking of, well, I'm rich, so now I have enough to meet the needs of all these people. No, this is just talking about you take care of what God has given you, he'll make it last. He'll make it last not just so you have enough, but you'll have enough even then to help your neighbors. That's cool. Humility praises God no matter how much we have. Generosity and humility is not measured in dollars, but in sacrifice. And I want to end by reading from Matthew chapter 5. We're ending on the words of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. Because... I think I know what he's talking about. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning instead of boasting. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are not exercising all the power that they do have. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They're not just hungering and thirsting 
for all the food that they can get. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Merciful, not seeking uh, revenge, not trying to carry out all justice on their own. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart, not selfish in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the troublemakers. And I see Jesus promoting humility, even on the Sermon on the Mount. These are not things to do. This is who to be. Jesus is not giving you a list of, hey, you go be a peacemaker, you go be merciful, you go be, you go be, you go be. No, he doesn't say that. He said, blessed are those who are like this. This is who they are, not just what they do. And the undercurrent for all of that is humility. So Matthew 5, verses 3 through 9, your homework assignment this week, your small group assignment this week, you, your assignment for when you have dinner tonight, which of these traits in Matthew 5 do you need to develop? Husbands, dads, let your kids know your weakness. Chances are good they probably already know it. But put a Bible word on it. Kids, children, teens, be, be brutal here. I am not a peacemaker. Man, I stir up so much trouble in class, on the playground, with my friends. I'm always, I'm always making people angry or upset and getting in the middle of stuff. Like, read through this passage with humility and be honest with yourself. From Matthew 5, verses 3 through 9, Jesus says, these are the people that are in his kingdom. Look through that list, read through it in the next couple of days and be really honest with yourself in a state of humility, God, work on me. Please work on me this week. Stand with me as we prepare to pray out the service. Bow your head and close your eyes and humility. Humility is modesty and meekness. Humility is others above myself. Humility is not making much of myself. Humility is putting Jesus first. Just with your eyes closed, just visualize that for a second. Visualize yourself standing in the middle of a field and then visualize Jesus high and lifted up where more people see him than you. Where he is brighter than you are. Where Jesus is brighter than the sun. And yet you are still looking at him. Humility is understanding that Jesus is your great treasure. That Jesus is the world's greatest treasure, not you. See yourself. You are loved. You are valuable. But you are not more valuable than anyone else.
God, we bring our hearts before you this morning and we say, sharpen us, rebuke us, teach us, remind us who we are in Jesus. Give us a spirit of humility that we would see the people around us and their need for Jesus. We come to you this morning and ask you, change us. Amen. Jesus, your name is power. Jesus, your name is mine. Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. Jesus, your name is life. Jesus, your name is healing. Jesus, your name gives sight. Jesus, your name will free every captive. Jesus, your verses for today are from Romans chapter 8 verses 38-39 for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord I pray you have a blessed week. You are dismissed.